Hello, this is Jackson. As the Fringe Festival comes to an end, we ask a couple artists and audience members their thoughts on what they got to see. Let's be artful. Welcome to the first attempt at the Artful Thought. This is a new program that we have that you, the audience, can tell us your opinions on the shows that you just saw. Whether that's positive or negative, all opinions are welcome. This week, The Fringe is coming to an end. I know. Stop crying. It's okay. Get a tissue. You'll be fine. But it is coming to an end. And you know what? What better way to end The Fringe Festival than to actually ask the audience members what they enjoyed, what they may not have enjoyed, and what questions they would ask the artists if they could talk to them. I got to sit down with both artists and audience members alike. For some, it was their first Fringe for others, they're veterans in the art form. At the Artfuls, everyone has a valid opinion on the arts that they get to experience. Now, I would like to point out again that there are some technical issues with the podcast, so please forgive me. I'm sorry. But let's get started. Okay, so first off, what's your name? My name is Patrick Earl Phillips. Patrick Earl Phillips. Yeah. And are you an audience member or are you an artist? I am an artist. Okay. Um... What is one show that you want to talk about? Um, I just saw Show Up, and I thought it was excellent. I completely agree. We, yeah. actually, we actually interviewed uh, Peter, uh, and that released on Tuesday. Uh-huh. And talking with him, and especially talking about his, his writing style, yeah. was phenomenal. Okay, so I have a couple questions. You uh-huh. ready for this? Okay. Okay. In your own words, describe it in one sentence. In one sentence. Um, do we need to be like PC or like not PC, but like ch- child friendly language? Um, let's just call it PG 13. Okay, cool. Um, uh, just freaking show up. <laughs> I, I mean, like it's, that. it's like in the title. Like, that's the great thing. What I love about the piece is that it's right there. Just, just come do the thing. Would yeah. be an alternative, you yeah. Know, do, do, just do the thing. I agree, and I think I think with the improv, that's the perfect title mm-hmm. because he is literally just showing up and doing the show. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, first of all, did you enjoy it? I loved it. I wouldn't be talking about it if I <laughs> if I didn't love it. Um, I think Peter is a very creative guy, and I think he's a great addition to the fringe. Um, okay, so what what did you enjoy about it? What was um, your favorite part? My favorite part, um, he was very effective at setting the mood of uh, it being, it was very collaborative with the audience. Sure. With it being a primarily improvisational based show, um, it was uh, it was like we were all a part of it. Um, and, and I've seen improv shows and, and, and uh, you know, and I kind of know that that, that gamut. Um, but with this one especially, where uh, he does do a one-man show with our suggestions, the length of the show and, and what he creates just on the spot and how quickly, and watching him trust the ideas that just pop into his head um, made it a really unique experience for me. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about the concept where, you know, where you talk about your life events and he writes it on a post-it note, mm-hmm. and he has to create a story out of that. Yeah. And I, he is actually around here somewhere. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna pull him. him up here so we can talk about oh. it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, 
you know, having that much, not just courage to be able to do that, but like some sort of format in your head. Yeah. Or no format at all. I mean, really, like he could just go up and wing it. But yeah. I think that he's put so much thought into how he presents it, at least, that it, it, it's so worth it once you actually see the scope of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the most impressive part about his improv was it wasn't just put these pieces together. It was how do I create a actual plot, a beginning, middle, and end out of all these insane suggestions. Right, yeah. Like we had, we uh, when I went, there was, uh, uh, you know, what happened today? A cavalcade. And he went, what's a cavalcade? And so, you know, it's stuff like that where it's like he makes fun of the fact that he doesn't know it when he's yeah. actually using it in the plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, he doesn't refuse it, you know? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't refuse it. He um, accepts it despite not knowing, you know, 100% what the thing is, the fact that he took it and just went with it. It was, uh, well, it comes back to the basic rule of improv. It's just always saying yes, yeah. you know, and just, just going. Yeah, that 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 means that I improv the show. I literally literally just say yes to everything. Right. Um, so, um, what was your favorite part? Now this is hard because it was improv and not everybody's going to be able to see it. But what was your favorite part about the show that you saw? Mm. Uh, my favorite part about the show uh, that I saw was um, he took these two he had these two little booty shoes. And he described uh, they belonged to his little brother. And he put the little itty-bitty booty shoes. I'm talking like maybe like an inch big. Uh, he put them on, or, um, well, I don't do the vector system. Maybe like a, like a foot. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I was an English major and a theater major <laughs> in college. I, I don't know the metric system. So he put these little like foot-long booty shoes on this little chair. And like he was having a, a conversation with his brother. But he like leaned down to like eye level with the shoes, which made the little brother only seem about like a couple inches tall. Oh. <laughs> um, that part will probably stay with me as one of the funniest moments in a fringe show I've seen this year. So that's hilarious. Um, I, you know, I wish he could recreate that for all of his audiences, but I'm sure everyone else that sees the show is seeing something equally, if not better, than that. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, final two questions: Would you suggest it? to everyone that you meet? Uh, yeah, I would suggest <laughs> it to everybody. I would suggest that they see show up now. Show up. See the, see the show. Yeah. Um, and if you can ask Peter a question about his show or anything that he does, what would be your question? Um, I guess, uh, you know, what exercises he did to build that trust um, in building that story and, and doing a, an improv, uh, improvised one-man show because that, to me, is takes a lot of guts. So Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, it was great to talk with you. Um, what is your show? Um, I am in Voxbox. It's Performance Gallery. We are a soundscape experience. A uh, quick description of that would be if Philip Glass wrote a dictionary. And if you don't know who Philip Glass <laughs> is, well... Um, he makes music that's not really music, and even people that like music might think it's super weird, but uh, it's Fringe, and our show is the definition of Fringe. Boom. That's really good. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> awesome. And yeah. um, what other show are you excited to see? Am I excited to see? Yeah. Um, what am I seeing? Um, 
oh, I, I just spoke with uh, Thrive IRL. Um, I had a great conversation with their cast members and, um, and uh, just in talking to them about their show, um, they are on my list to hopefully see before the end of Fringe. Um, it's just now getting down to the wire. So uh, we'll hope. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking thank with us. Thank you. Awesome. Ryza got quiet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, the first question I have for you is, first of all, what's your name? My name is Charlie Retting. And are you a artist or are you an audience member? I'm an artist. Awesome. Um, so, first of all, uh, with being an artist, what show are you a part of? Uh, I, which show am I with? Yeah. I am in Vox Box with Performance Gallery. Awesome. Okay, so um, what is one show that you want to talk about? Uh, the one, if I had to pick only one, um, let's go with, uh, let's go with Show Up. Oh, we, we've actually talked about this before. That's okay. awesome. Um, so my questions are, did you enjoy it? Oh, I loved it. Um, what was your favorite part about it? Uh, so, um, Peter, the, uh, the host and principal performer, he ruined me. He's the only, <laughs> in my history of fringing, I've never cried from laughter in any comedy I've seen except for this one. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, he, would, he would take that as a huge compliment. Oh, uh, he's wonderful. Uh, at one point, so being a show that's largely um, improv-based with suggestions from the audience at the beginning of the show and then throughout, I just did a really bad job of offering some suggestions. <laughs> and he, he, he plays fast and loose. And the stuff he comes up with off the cuff, he, he had a moment where he was... Uh, he was able to kind of take a take a very playful dig at all the members of Voxbox. That's funny. We were seated together, and I gave a horrible suggestion that he he found an opportunity to to just kind of rib us, and it it ruined all three of us. <laughs> yeah, I think I I'm not good with suggestions mm -hmm. uh, during this festival because I went to X Trash Faganza, yeah, um, and I went the first night, and Paul, uh, one of the performers, pointed at me. Yes. And said, say something obscene. And I didn't realize he pointed at me. And so I'm sitting there just like kind of dumb going, oh, I really hope they say something funny. And then he keeps on looking at me. And I'm like, oh, crap, I need to say something. And I went, I don't know. <laughs> and it was it was really, it was terrible. But then someone behind me like yelled <laughs> something crazy. Hey, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. You know. um, so uh, your favorite part was their dig uh, at Voxbox. Yeah, yeah I... That moment specifically, but I think on a on a greater level, it's Peter's ability to just play off the cuff. Yeah. I mean, the show, of course, is improvised, but those moments where he's able to even step away from what he's improvising, riff on something, and then and then return to what he's doing. He's just he's a masterful improviser. And would you suggest it to people you talk to? Would I suggest it to who? To anyone you talk to. I would say, yes, that is one of the shows that I have been suggesting to everyone since I saw it. Good. Um, and if you can ask Peter one question about the show, about him, what would you ask? Uh, I would ask... I would like to know how the show has evolved in the time that he's been working on it. Yeah, because he presents it with such precision and 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 flair. It's so, it's so well 
well crafted. I, I'm, I'd be very curious to hear about the early days of putting it together, what the rough edges were. Because for something to be as as sharp as his show is, uh, I, I'm curious about what the, sh the, the, what the rough spots were. Yeah, um, and actually it's really funny that you say that because we were able to talk a little bit about that. I actually interviewed Peter for the podcast. Yeah. And he was able to talk through a little bit of that, but specifically about how it's evolved from the first one to now. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, so your question is, how has it evolved over the festival or just in general? In general. Okay. Yeah. Um, what other show would you like to talk about? Uh, am I allowed to plug my show? Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Then Box Box. Um, and when is it being performed for the rest of the festival? We have one final performance this Saturday at 8.30. Uh, and where is it being performed at? It's being performed at the OTR Community Church. Awesome. Uh, which is just down the street from uh, the First Lutheran Church, where you may have seen uh, some other great shows like Show Up. Yeah. Um, do you have any other ones that you liked, maybe disliked? Um, I've liked, I've been very lucky this this go-round. I've seen, I think, 13 shows. Wow. And I've been very fortunate. I've liked all of them. Good. There have been, I think, four that have really, like, really stung me and that I've just adored. So uh, so plug them if you uh, want. I mean, I would see, if, if I could go back, uh, the Bureau. Um, I completely agree with brilliant, you. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, masterful show. Hilarious, dark. I think... Um, Something that I've said about that and Extravaganza, another show that I absolutely love and would recommend. Both those two shows, they find a way to be subversive even for a Fringe Festival. Yeah. They, they, they find ways to be surprising um, and, and sort of betray expectation in a really wonderful way. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite part of Extravaganza was they, I don't want to ruin it, but... They right. go through a process right before the show begins. Oh, yes. And and I and actually the bureau does this phenomenally well as uh, as well because um, they don't just start the show and then end the show and go okay everybody see ya. Right. They they start it with a progression of little tiny events that they do before it begins. Yep. And they play their characters until the last person is out of the room. Yeah. Which to me puts me into that mindset of oh this is this is you know this is supposed to be immersive in some sort of way, and yeah that what you just said is one of my favorite things about any show. Yeah, the show does not exist only in the space in which the show is performed. The show exists beyond that. Yeah, but you know before you even enter the space or as you're leaving that it's still it's it's bigger than the lights came up, the lights went down, and it's over. And I think that's where that's where the Fringe Festival really gets you to experiment with those types of things. Yes. Um, because uh, the Bureau, um, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast thus far, but it's about a New World Order who's doing re-education classes right. for the masses. And these two uh, agents are conducting this interview, or these uh, workshops, and in the beginning they're like counting to see how many people are here. They're like talking about what they're going to talk about and like getting really, you know, almost nervous about doing the class, right. which puts you in the mindset of, are we supposed to be nervous? <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's a hard, it's, it's a hard thing to put yourself, like to start a show yeah. and create that energy. But when you've already created that energy, mm -hmm. the show becomes just, you can start and you know, it's just a continuation. Yeah, for sure. You feel like you're already in the story. And that's, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see Van Gogh find yourself. I have seen that as well. I loved it. Unique. 
uh, I've never been a part of a theatrical experience like that. Um, I love that show, uh, and one of the things I love most is how there almost is no, there is no separation between audience and performance. Yeah. Like, it's it's all together. It's so, uh, what's the word, Hol uh, holistic maybe? Um, where, where it's... It just seam yeah. seamlessly transitions into actually being the show. Yes. Um, you know, besides like the pre-show announcement, if you take that out, I mean, it's basically like you are in a gallery and Van Gogh is walking around talking about his yes. paintings with you and then the show begins. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't seem like it actually starts if right. not for the beginning. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, announcements they make. And even after it ends, you know, he does a little speech about, you know, appreciate the artist while they're alive. And you can tell it's like, oh, it's over. And, you know, it just the entire experience throughout that, you know, that show is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, what's one of the other, uh, one of your favorite parts about Van Gogh? Uh, oh, boy. Peter and, uh, not Peter, excuse me. Um, uh, Walter and I talked about this. Uh, I was walking through the gallery and I saw one of the paintings he has done, and there's a quote that I'm going to mess up. It's a quote of Van Gogh's that says something along the lines of, if you have a voice in your head that says you cannot paint, then you must paint and the voice will go away. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it and is. And I saw that, because I'm a horrible artist. Like I'm I am too, I am too. Abysmal. But I was, I was told I should sit at the table for the, for the show, and I had that quote in my mind when he said, take, your, take the paper and feel free to I, I mean, I guess I'm sort of giving something in the show away if I say this, but feel free to, to, to create like as the show goes on. Yeah. And that's not something that I would ever really do in life because I'm such yeah. an abysmal artist. But to give into the experience and be a part of that uh, was very meaningful and very moving to me. Yeah, I think I actually think we may have had similar experiences because I told him, you know, I don't paint. No. I'm not an artist. And he goes, nonsense. That means you are an artist. Yes. And And I went, oh. And so he said sit down at the table and just p paint something. I don't care what it is. You you don't need to care what it is. Just paint something. Right. And uh, he actually started draw, uh, painting my sister, and I was watching him do it, and I was like, you know, th th it looks like he's doing it so seamlessly. Yeah. And so I started just literally just marking the page, and it came out decently. Yeah. But it made me appreciate that it's just, you just have to start. You just have to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, are there any other shows? Uh, take Flight. Oh, my gosh. We, I think we literally had the same schedule. Um, like, uh, well, that was fantastic. Good taste, you know. We, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, uh, uh, I think it's a beautiful show. Uh, the, the clown work, the, the circus uh, uh, feats. Yeah, the aerial stuff. The aerial silk. Uh, it's just such a powerful, fun, I mean, the, the show's adorable, but it's also really hard-hitting. Yeah, it is. Very meaningful. Very, You can tell that the performers, it's not just three people who've decided to do this fun thing. It's a fun thing that means so much to them, and for that reason becomes so meaningful to the people getting to be there and experience yeah. it. And I, I thought, you know, we actually were able to talk with them on the podcast as well. Yeah. And uh, she said, we literally break down the fourth wall, and... I thought about that and I was like, "What does that mean?" And then I saw the show, yeah. and they literally tear down. Right. The, and and I thought that was just brilliant. And I thought it put it. I put the show in this, in this uh, mindset of, 
you know, it's someone's lives, but they are wanting you to be actively a part of it. Yes. Um, and they want you to be actively taking something away from it. Um, and I thought the messages they had, not, I mean, you know, if you put aside the amazing uh, artistry behind it, if you just look at what they're saying on stage, it's powerful. It is. I mean, it's, you know, taking positivity and throwing away your baggage. Yes. Um, and trying to find a way to fulfill yourself. And, you know, I mean, it, the, 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 the positive stuff that you can come away from it, even though to those characters it's negative at the time. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, for Van Gogh and Take Flight, you would suggest them? Highly. Perfect. Um, so, that's about it. Awesome. Thank, well, you, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay, so, first of all, say your name. Joe Mock. And what do people call you? Papa Fringe. And why is that? Uh, it's my job to buy all the actors drinks <laughs> because I remember being a poor actor uh, back in my college days and I never had enough money to drink. So I know where they're coming from. So I'm better off now. So if I enjoy their show, I like to buy them a cocktail and then talk to them about their show. And, you know, that's actually one of the reasons why, you know, this is my first Fringe. Um, this is my first Fringe Festival. And that's what I love about this environment is that an audience member and an artist can just talk about it's, whatever they want. And, and Jackson, in talking to uh, the Fringe actors and, and talking to them about other Fringes, that's what they'll say is the best thing about Cincinnati Fringe is the community yeah. that we all got. Um, you know, I say I uh, four humors stopped in. I haven't seen them since last year's Fringe or two years ago when they were. Yeah. Here. And when I went up after their show and tonight and told them great show, thanks Joe. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's family. Yeah. And uh, and that's really and and the the ability to discuss if you want to. Uh, why they did something in their show one way and not another? Why yeah. did they why did they end it this way, not that way? What were they trying to say in that part of the show? And that uh, for me, that just feeds my juices and feeds my jets and uh, fuels my jets. I mean, and <laughs> uh, that's what that's why this is. I call Fringe a Cincinnati Fringe Festival my happy place. It, that's it, fantastic. Yeah, I, I, it really is nice. I love that. Okay, so um, you do something really interesting on your Facebook, where every night. You post what you've seen, which is a crap ton of performances. Oh, shit. I think I'm behind. I don't think I posted <laughs> on last night's shows yet. It's been a busy day. Well, I mean, in the amount of shows that you see, you yeah. have you have what is called the full frontal pass. Yes. Which, yes. first of all, amazing name. But second of all, it means that you can go to every show. Any and every show I want. I, I, I still have to reserve a ticket. Yeah. Uh, or I could be sold out of a show. But I did that before the fringe ever opened. I plotted out my entire thing to so to see the maximum number of shows, yeah, and to make sure I saw every show I wanted to see, uh, and then I fill in with shows that I don't know anything about or know nothing about their company. So yeah, so and I'm I'm scared to ask, but how many shows it'll are you going to it'll see? It'll be 37 by the end of the night Saturday night. Holy crap! Which will be my record. Wow! Because this will be the first. This is the first fringe Jackson that I will not have lost any days in. No uh, way. Oh, God, there was a couple of years ago where um, niece gets, uh, a niece decides to get married in Kansas City, and I lose four days on the middle weekend, a yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That was terrible. Uh, last year, it was uh, a business meeting killed one night, and a promise to my daughter to go to a Reds game 
killed a Friday night. You know, I, I, so that you, didn't happen this you year. You cleared your schedule. I turned down a lot of stuff, Jack. <laughs> I turned down a commercial that would shoot in Connecticut. Oh, wow. Uh, that would pay big money, but it would have, I would have flown out Monday night this week, flow, uh, filmed on Tuesday, flown back Tuesday night. I would have lost Monday's fringe, Tuesday's fringe. In addition to having to take a vacation day, and, yep. and I had a meeting scheduled, and it just you know when I looked at it, and it was a negative political commercial, yeah, and I hate those, so yeah, I said, sure. you know what, that's it, that, that made it a lot easier. So. <laughs> okay, because you're seeing so many shows. Normally, I ask, what have you seen? But you've seen basically everything, so pretty much. Here's what I'm gonna do. I know it's hard to pick, but tell me about a couple shows that were exceptional or that you actively think of when i say this okay. year's fringe yeah what is what is a show that you think of okay so you mean this year's fringe or fringes of the past this year's this fringe. year's fringe okay so the first thing i'm going to tell you is it's not tough at all for me it's really easy oh, okay uh, i know immediately whether i love it or i hate it or um uh, or i like it sure uh, I, th there's different things different things so uh, the best show, my pick of the fringe so far is, uh, and it hasn't been topped yet, is Of Monster Descent by Trey Tatum. Awesome. Uh, it's uh, Queen City Flash is there. Uh, Trey wrote it and performs it. His wife, Bridget Leak, uh, directs it. Uh, and I've known, I know enough about their shows and what they do, which is really cool stuff around Cincinnati, that I can see where it's where it's Trey and I can see where Bridget's influence has come in. Yeah. And it's really important. And, and sh yeah, I know the show wouldn't be as good without Bridget's direction. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. And it's also, uh, it's also nice because you already know these people haven't yeah. gone to fringes. So you're able to see the Absolutely. influence of all the different people. Yeah. I love that. Now, uh, musical chairs. This is by a group called uh, Gideon productions out of New York city. They were my pick of the fringe last year uh, with a show called uh, God of obsidian. So I knew, without knowing anything about the show, I knew I they were going to be top. I, I had to see their show. Good. Uh, but because of the way you have to schedule to see as many possible shows as, you know, with all the scheduling, I didn't get to see their show until a couple of days ago. Oh, gotcha. So into the second week, it was everything I thought it was going to be. It's pushing of Monster Descent, but right now uh, of Monster Descent is still first. And then just to put a point out the things I love about Fringe, because you ask, you know, yeah. what it what I love about Fringe is you get surprised. You yeah, think definitely. you're not going to like a show or you don't know what a show is going to be and you have no expectations, and it's a nice surprise. Perfect example this year is a show called H2O, The Play About Water or the something. The Play About, about Water, yeah. yeah. It's uh, by CCM. CCM Acting Students. I saw their 60-second their preview the very first night of Fringe, okay? They yeah. do 60-second previews. I saw the preview. I was unimpressed. I did. I said to my wife, I said, I don't think I'm going to like that play. I don't, but because I'm a full frontal and I've paid to see as many shows as you I might can. Might as well. I, and, and when I looked at there was uh, I saw this show last night, I think, or the night before. It was the last show of the night. The only yeah. reason, Jackson, I saw that show is because I had seen every other show at that time slot. So it's so a perfect like, opportunity. I've got a paid for a ticket. I'm going to go. I want to see as many shows as possible. I went. Very pleasantly surprised by the show. Good. Now, I could quibble with the political statements they made in the show. I, I like to tell people it's probably a show only college kids can do because it's <laughs> damn the, damn the uh, politicals and the politics and, and we're killing the earth and Mother Earth and all that. But talk about a tight 
show that was excellently performed. Music was ingeniously melt blended into the show. And I think cast of thousands. I think it was fifteen to twenty kids in this, which yeah, is it was, huge. It was, it was a large by, cast by fringe standards. That's ginormous. Yeah, that's, that's Cecil B. DeMille stuff. You know, by <laughs> fringe standards. But every single actor on that stage bought in hundred percent. Every single actor was present, and they worked together uh, meticulously. It was just a really neat. I went in thinking, okay, I'm going to pass an hour here and. I'm going to justify the fact that, or I'm going to uh, convince myself I was right in not wanting to go see the show. Yeah. Totally flipped me. I am so glad I saw that show. Well, good. Now, um, speaking of the good and the bad, and you've said that, you know, you know when you don't like something, you know when you really enjoy something. What's one that, and, uh, and one of the things I like to do is I like to say, if I'm going to say something was bad, I have to say what I may not have appreciated about it, or... You know, sure. be it in a positive way. And I know that you have the same opinion as that. Yes. And so if you had to pick one where you may want to ask a question to the artist, what would that be? Oh, gosh. And that can go the that can run the full gamut. Um, I, I did not get a chance to, the, to uh, talk to the artist who did um, The Last Drag. Okay. I felt it was too much. Uh, there wasn't enough theatricality in it. It was sure. too much like she was reciting a book or reading a book. Uh all the way to Eddie Poe, which are my favorite actors. Uh, Katie and Nick are like two are like my other kids. Uh, they live with us when they come to town. We we board uh, actors during the Fringe. Oh, that's fantastic! Uh, as a benefit, yeah. I mean, we got the space, and and we love actors. We get to talk to them at home. Yeah. Um, and so Eddie or uh, uh, Nick and Katie have been with us. This is, I think, the fourth or fifth time they wow. visited Cincinnati, where they stay with us. Uh, and I hated the ending of Eddie Poe. I mean, sure. I and of course. As my one daughter says, who writes a lot of music, I always try to rewrite everything. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll call her up and say, "I'm listening to that song you wrote back in high school." <laughs> I would, you know, when I sing it, I sing the last line like this, and she goes, "Dad, I wrote the song. The song's written. Leave it alone." Yeah, leave it alone, Dad. And, and of course, you know, I'm bugging Nick and Kate at the kitchen table this morning. I'm like, "Okay, so if you get me really drunk tonight, I'll tell you how I would rewrite the ending <laughs> to that song." They okay, haven't asked so, me yet. So for the last drag. Um, you didn't. You didn't like the. Uh, uh, it was. It was less theatrical than you would have liked. So if you could have, if you can ask the artist a question about the show, what would it? Be? I would have said, why didn't you do more physicality? Sure. Okay. Uh, she basically recited into a. a, a, a I mean, it was. A, it was a great story, uh, but then there was these rap segments where it was very hard to hear her. Okay. And uh, you know, when I was a theater major, the great Otto Quapel in town here at Xavier taught me the first rule of theater is they can love you or they can hate you but they have to hear you to make up their mind yeah and like we couldn't hear her now some of that might have been microphones sure but i think a lot of it was her speed of delivery and i'm an old man i don't i don't understand <laughs> the rapping thing you know hamilton's hard to understand I, I need the i need the script the libretto to find that figure along um i would have ad, i would have suggested that she added some adds some uh, theatricality to break up i would yeah. have told her to take some pauses uh, to uh, and not just to drink a glass of water or something, but uh, you know, uh, uh, she needed more variance in the tone and tonality of the play. I thought. Sure. Um, and so for Eddie Poe, if you can ask the artist a question, what would you ask? I asked her why. I asked. Uh, I asked Nick, uh, Katie. I said, "Why'd you end it that way? Why would I, I? I feel like you needed more pow ending. Why did you do this? Um, uh, oh man, it's it's a great show." 
uh, the character of Glenn Denning by the Jolly Golly. That I mean, there's just there's so much there. Um, I you know there was a a definitive Edgar Allan reference, Edgar Allan Poe reference in their first play, Edgar Allan Edgar Allan. Yeah. In this Eddie Poe, I did not see a specific Edgar Allan Poe reference that I thought would have made the story a little more interesting. Do you think that you put unrealistic expectations on it based on of the first one I you saw? Am. <laughs> I'm a 61-year-old theater, ex-theater nerd, man. Of course I do. I have all my opinions, man, and I'm not afraid. I'm not shy. Yeah. I'm not afraid to tell everybody what. I mean, that's the reason, though. But see, they have to listen to me because I bought them a drink. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can... You, you can bitch about it for a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and then, they, you know, the, the, the ones that are smart just wash me off. And then, what the heck? That's um, just Joe. That's uh, just Papa Fringe. Yeah. And so let's, let's end it on one more question. If you could ask any artist that you've seen a question about their show, what would it be? What's one of the questions that you've kind of had in your mind after you've seen one of the performances? Wow. Good question. Uh, oh, there's so many. Jeez. Um, uh, I would have asked. I, w- I think I would have asked the H2O kids from CCM. Shout out to CCM. Uh, why? Why don't? Why didn't you put a, a, an alternative viewpoint into the show? Why sure. did? It, why was it all one one sided? Why did you ever think about doing that? Sure. Uh, I would ask. Um, Gosh, now, now I'm going through back through about. I think I'm up to. <laughs> I think I'm up to 28 or 29 shows, so far, uh, and I'm trying to think. Uh, gosh, what was one? What was one that was uh, musical? Musical chairs. I I had to ask them about the last scene. Okay. I, to, and I said, this is what I think I saw. Was that right? I was right. But I, I why did you? Why didn't you do it a different way? Why didn't you make it more clear? And uh, Mac, the writer uh, and star of the show, one of the stars of the show, uh, actually said, we actually have tweaked it since we showed, did it before to, to make it a little more clear because we heard from the audience that they were confused at the end, so we've tweaked it. I and said, that's, great. And that's the whole point of, you know, it, being able to interact with the audience. Absolutely. You get to hear that. And, you know, and I think that it's, it's really awesome that you actively ask questions. And, like, if you don't understand something, not just going, yeah. oh, it was great. But actively going up to them and saying, you know, why was that? Because maybe they haven't considered something. Maybe they have, and they just need to explain it better. Well, and and a lot of the, the fringe actors, Jackson, will tell you that Cincinnati is an incredibly great fringe to try out new material. Yeah. Because we're so supportive. We are a really supportive and loving fringe community uh, of theater lovers. Uh, Cincinnati has an incredibly diverse and wonderful theater uh, uh, experience here in town. And... The actors will tell you that we are very supportive of their new ideas and their new shows, so they can test. And it's and it's inexpensive. It's less expensive for them to try it out in Cincinnati yeah. than to go to a more expensive one like up in Canada or down in Orlando, maybe. So uh, they're they're interested in getting that feed. Most of them are yeah. interested in getting that feedback. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. It has been because I'm a great guy. I pop of course a you are. I pop a <laughs> Thanks so much. This is fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing how dorky I sound on the on the podcast. It sounds fine. <laughs> okay. So, new person. That's right. So, first of all, what is your name? My name's Sean P. Meddy. And are you an artist or an audience member? I am an artist. And what's your show? 
Uh, my show is Billy the Haunting of William Howard Taft. Oh yeah, no raccoons, right? Is what that, is that the is that the the I did the agenda and it's something about raccoons that you shouldn't trust a raccoon or something possum, like that. Oh, possum, 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 possum. Yeah, but to be fair, you should never cross a raccoon either. <laughs> They're really smart and they'll figure it out how to get back. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so um, last night we got to see Aphrodite's Refugee. Yes, we did. Um, so I have like the the basic questions for you. Yeah. So, what did you think? I thought it was an interesting show. Um, I It is one of the shows that, before the Fringe, I like the idea, the concept of mixing uh, projection work with live performance up front. So yeah. I was like, okay, this is. I want to see how this works. Uh, the uh, use of a watercolor painting threw me completely off guard, and I wasn't... It did to me, too. I was not sure where that was going in the beginning. Yeah. As I think all watercolor paintings probably sure. are because you <laughs> everybody looks at a watercolor painting it, you see the finished product but in the beginning you're like I don't know but it turned out I thought rather nice and it was yeah just, I think I was most shocked when I when it started and at first it was a really fast painting and I was like how yeah. is he doing that and I realized it was a projection behind the screen and I went oh okay gotcha <laughs> That threw me off at some points, too, especially after the painting had already begun. And then there would be other ones. Someone was like, no, wait a second. Is this him actually painting this time, or is this a projection? Yeah. And then be like, oh, projection. Yeah. You got me again. <laughs> I, I think one of the one of the most uh, visually, uh, I mean, all the projection stuff was really visually awesome. Um, but the one thing that I, I, I took away from that was when it had the fire over the landscape that he was actually painting, I enjoyed that so much. Yeah, and I, I think it, it put a mood behind uh, what uh, uh, what she was saying. Yeah, that was a moment for me where um, I fully agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> but no, I agree with you. That's a moment where the visual. It's one of the few moments I feel like the visual component of the show really matched what the storytelling was going on out front. Yeah. So, um, And so there were two sides of it. There was the painting behind a screen and then the upfront acting. And um, what did you think of the story in general? Because this was based off of... Um, I'm actually going to be talking with her about it uh, later, but it was based off of stories of... Um, uh, refugees from Cyprus. Right. Um, so what did you think of the stories? Um, I I was intrigued by the story. I mean, I will, I'm going to admit there were certain times I did get lost. Sure. Um, but that happens in fringe festivals. I mean, you see a show and sometimes you don't, you, you get lost in the story, but it, you, you get back on track eventually. Yeah. So, um, I think uh, the refugee story is not necessarily something we always think of. Like, uh, she had stated in the beginning of the show that she was inspired by the show from uh, attending like a, a like an exhibit or some experience yeah. that they recreated the refugee experience, and I was like, oh, that really would help spur this on. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the times when I was thinking. While I was watching the show, my mind drifted to Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, and thinking about 
these tent cities that were uh, erected in Texas from all these people that, I mean, we all know that New Orleans got hit really hard, but there was a lot of other parts that they just moved into these mobile home tent cities. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so uh, out of the entire show, what was was the most memorable part or your favorite part of the show? I think... uh, I think my favorite or my most memorable part of the show for me was once the tent city got a so it was a common it was one of those moments where the visual and the storytelling in front both enhanced and paired well yeah for me is when the tent uh, when all the refugees move into this massive tent city and you're Slowly, and it could be because the visual was right in front of me. You saw this tent city get more and more detailed in the projection work. Yeah. Meanwhile, you have the storytelling aspect where it's, uh, you're really starting to learn and get an idea of what this looks like from a human perspective. And um, the idea, and I know this still happens now because. Um, when they talk about the reporters and the tourists coming to visit. Yeah, that was that was powerful. Yeah, I, and that was something that stuck with me because I was like, that still hasn't stopped. This is a story from several decades ago, but yeah. if you think about a lot of the migrant stuff that's happening over there and over the past several years uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, you're seeing the same thing. You're seeing reporters going into these areas, and are they really doing that much different than what tourists would be doing? They're yeah, and I actually, I actually think that even going back to what you were saying about the ten cities in uh, Texas, it, it's the same thing. And you know, we, there was there was a news report that came out right afterwards that. I think it was like CNN was down there reporting and someone, they were like, do you want to talk about your experience? And they were like, no, I don't. Like, I'd rather you be helping us rather than just recording us. And I, I actually thought of that, uh, that video, because I'm kind of a YouTube junkie. And um, so I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I thought back to that video and I was like, it, it, it's similar. It's, it, there's so many parallels that it, nothing has changed when it comes to our understanding of their experience or even our under our even uh comprehension of what we should do about it right and i think that's i think your your comment about being nothing has changed with it being the human experience if we want to go even further back you look back at like the american civil war where they were just outside the cities and people were coming out for the day to watch the war as if it was entertainment yeah but there are people losing their lives. Yeah. I think it you know it 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 parallels back to, you know, human nature is to is wanting to experience these bad things as a sort of I, I don't I don't know, like almost like a therapy to it. Yeah, I was thinking like almost like a safe space like uh, in terms of the people that come want to watch it, like the tourists that come in or the reporters that are going in, is they want to experience it, but they know themselves they don't have to live with that. They just want to... Yeah. They get to go home or to a hotel. They get to go back to comfort at the end of the day. This isn't their life, but they want to say they 
know what it feels like. Yeah. And I, I think that you, you almost get that way with, like, mission trips. You almost get that way with, you know, all, all, all these natural disasters that happen. There are the people that rush in to go help, but there are also those people that, you know, that will go and observe. And I think that they were bringing attention to that, which, I mean, it's it, it, something I hadn't really thought about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. And I think that I think that the story arc and by the end... Her playing all the different characters, you know, getting into the plot, it finally ended up being uh, like this really, I mean, heartbreaking but uplifting show. Yeah, I, I was sort of concerned if there was ever going to be an uplifting moment. Yeah. Just because of the parallel story of Aphrodite and Ares playing yeah. a card game. And every time Ares won, which I feel yeah. like is so true in a way like it's a very realistic way to look at it in the world and I was like is she going to win ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I thought uh, they also uh, uh, they did this thing where they had uh, this booming microphone to uh, simulate the gods and I was like that's a really nice touch yeah and what I really loved about it is she recorded um they dealt the cards and they played the game and she she wouldn't say it every time she'd just click it and walk away and i was like oh that that's a really neat touch that i i i i enjoy about it because it kind of simulates the monotony of it's just constantly going and it's always the same and yeah i i i mean i think the artistry was fantastic yeah the only, one other thing i did think about that really touched me and I am hoping this is true. Because <laughs> otherwise I'll be like, oh, that's sad. It's when she talked about when the United Nations came in and yeah. said, stop shooting with the first big truce, and everybody stopped. Yeah. And I that have... Was, that, was, that was one of those moments where you kind of go, uh, wait, wait, did that... Oh, it's, it's over. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it was... It, was, it, it gave me hope, like... Because you could see it almost like, like the Justice League or some group of superheroes. It's like, here comes the United Nations. Well, if the United Nations say stop, we stop. We stop. Yeah. And I was like, I really want to believe that's how it is in the world. Is that if the United Nations were to come into a, a war zone and say stop, that everybody would be like, well, that's what they said. And <laughs> drop it down. There we go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. I, and that that was also one of those moments where you kind of hold your breath and be like, okay, what's actually happening? Is there something that's going to like pop out and like be terrible? Um, I think you know that show was both. It was like bad, kind of resolution. Bad, kind of resolution, and then finally resolution, even though not. Yeah. yeah it, it was. It was. It was. It was like a. It was like a fake resolution at the end as well it's like but you know and that's something i do enjoy from a lot of friend shows is there are sometimes where people want a happy ending yeah and i will admit there's a lot of times where i'm like oh no this ended how things end yeah it's it, like things don't always end in a perfect bow yeah. That's just what life is. I think uh, Zach Robinson uh, from Bad Poetry Night put right. it best, and he said, the universe does not care about you. And I just thought of that when you were saying yeah. that, because maybe the story 
doesn't care where it ends. It may end badly. And that's okay. Like, you're not going to feel great about it, but that's where the story ends. Right. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, your show is? Billy, The Haunting of William Howard Taft. And when is it playing for the rest of the uh, Fringe Festival? When is it? Yeah. I've got one more show on Saturday uh, at 4 o'clock. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. To all the people that were able to talk to me last night, thank you so much. It was great to be able to hear everyone's opinions on the stuff that they got to see, and it just makes me want to come back to the Fringe Festival next year. So if you are interested in catching the more than 30 performances left for the entire Fringe Festival, go to www www.cincyfringe.com That is all for this episode of The Artful Thoughts. Make sure to tell us what you thought on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, spread your opinion about the arts you see. Stay weird, Fringe, and have an artful day. Artful Thoughts